something is wrong, and it's time to stand up. You are listening to the John Age Show. Trust no one. Trust no one. Trust no one. You found it. You're here. You're headlong down the runaway train that is the Anomic Age, and I am your host, John H., coming at you for a second time in the not-so-wee hours of the p.m. today. Thankfully, thankfully, we got none other than Dale Smith with us today once again. So happy, so thankful to have him back on. And let me start out with an apology, because I apologize if anybody was out there waiting for this. There was another show before this one, which ran into difficulties and, and so forth and so on. No fault of anyone's. It is just sort of the nature of the beast. And then there was even more difficulties on my own end, and it just became increasingly ridiculous. Nevertheless, I apologize. No fault of Dale's. All on me. All operation error. All technology error. But uh, I just want to put out that uh, that out there first and foremost. So my apologies to anyone that uh, was sitting around waiting for sure. I've been on the other side of that, and it's not fun, and I apologize wholeheartedly. Nevertheless, you're here, and I'm here, so let's do this. Anomicage.com is where you can find all things me, all things Anomic Age. It's going to be where the previous two shows with Dale, and of course this one will reside sooner than later. Hopefully in a couple hours, if we can get all the other computers to stay functioning in order to process us. But in other words, uh, that's where you can find all things me. PayPal.me forward slash Age, Patreon.com forward slash Age as well. We got a new lightning link down there in the bottom right so you can send me uh, Shatoshis. Sort of uh, little fragmented Bitcoins or some sort of uh, currency thereof. Anyway, that's new on the link. It's only been there for uh, about two weeks. So you can find that as well. All the free stuff is there too. The iPhone app, the Android app, and of course the free newsletter so you can follow me any which way you can. You can just get those uh, apps, check out the links, and just uh, hit notifications and you can see when the new shows are posted. As I always say, like all the likes, subscribe to all the subscriptions. All the social media links are there at the top. Everything that I'm still actually on from uh, Facebook to YouTube, Brighton, BitChute, and so forth and so on. It's all there at the top, so... Check that out as well. Okay. You don't want to hear about that. You want to hear about this. So let's introduce our guest. I introduced him the same way last time, and I can't think of a better way to do it. Friend of the show, researcher, informed person, all-around wonderful gentleman has been not just a friend of this show, but a friend to me. Almost since the inception of the show, I'm so proud, honored, and happy to have this man back on. Dale Smith is going to be with us today. See if we can transition over there. Dale, there you are. And here I am. Oh, thank you. The, the pleasure is all mine, and, and nothing but respect to you. Thank you, man. Thank you for thank you for putting up with me and sitting around for a couple hours here when I was sitting here trying to <laughs> I don't know realign the pyramids. <laughs> so many of these these different incidences have just kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. I mean, so much of the stuff we we talked about even back from our first interview. People have such a such a myopic mindset. They just kind of oh forgot about Seth Rich. Remember that Clinton killed him? Oh yeah, that's all right. I mean, forgot about Oklahoma City. Remember that that was another op? Oh, we forgot about that. I mean, eventually it'll be 
on par with the, the people that we forgot about 9-11 and we forgot about JFK. That happened like 10, 15 years ago. We can't even talk about that, you know, so. He just simply took a thumb. It was an inside job. He was, he was there with a thumb drive and he downloaded all the data and he was going to pass it off so that people could to Julian Assange. Julian Assange offered a $20,000 reward for whoever murdered him. And uh, nobody from the DNC was interested until this one investigator who was hired uh, by someone close to the Trumps. Then all of a sudden they get this PR guy to be to be around the family to uh, you know kind of shelter them and tell them what to say to the press to the media. But up until then they had no use for him because in, in their eyes he was a traitor. But Seth Rich was the one that did it, and uh, it's already been proven just because just by the sheer amount of data it would have and time it would have taken to transfer to another country would have uh it would have taken days to do so anyway we're talking about the censorship and the blaming of uh losing an election on a foreign entity that had nothing to do with it and and gaslighting the people saying that the, that the same thing is going to happen again the ruskies are going to steal the midterms well, where were the russians in 2020 then you know uh the reason why i want to bring up uh, Sandy Hook and the censorship that's going on there is because Alex Jones was already being taken off of platforms. Now, I don't care what you may think about Alex Jones, but he has given out a lot of good information. I think he may be part of the controlled opposition, but still, I've gotten a lot of good information from him. And because he was a Trump supporter, they started removing him from different platforms just because they could. And 10 years after Sandy Hoax, they, now they're, they started going after Alex Jones saying it was slander mm -hmm. uh, because he doesn't believe that it actually happened. And uh, Wolfgang Halbig, the same thing. Uh, Lenny Posner uh, took Wolfgang Halbig to court, and basically what they're trying to do is drain him dry of the funds to defend himself. So he gave his deposition, and when it came time for Lenny Posner – he wouldn't do it. He dropped it. He dropped his suit against Wolfgang. How, why was he afraid of? You know, why would he not go ahead and go through with the deposition? But it's because he was a coward. And we already know from the uh, depositions in the uh, Freedom of Information Act that FEMA is the one that, broke, that brought out the porta potties, and they're the ones that brought out the signs. Everybody must sign in. And this mm -hmm. is a day after the event. And uh, the day of the event and the day after the event. And uh, it come to find out FEMA is the one that had brought those in. Now, why would they need porta potties? Why would people need to sign in? Let's take the first one, porta potties. That school hadn't been in use since 2008. You turn on the water so you can use the bathrooms, what do you think is going to happen? Mm -hmm. You're going to have the pipes are going to bust. And uh, on the electric signs, this is what they do at a capstone FEMA drill, mass casualty event. Everybody has to sign in so they can get paid. They get their lanyard, you know, to, you know, to show that they, they are a crisis actor. So what this was was a crisis uh, drill that was portrayed as a real-time event. And the reason why it was, is, and they could get away with it, is because the Smith-Munt Act of 1947 no longer applies you're, and this just goes back to the NDA Act of 2012. It is actually legal for your government now to lie to you and spread propaganda. 
So anybody that's tried to dig into this, they, they find uh, the state troopers on their doorstep. Uh, uh, you can just go back and you can look. Just by looking at the footage, you can see that there is no sense of urgency during this thing. you got people going into the firehouse, through the front, come out through the back. They're the same people, okay? And the, the firehouse is right next to the school, and this is where they were staging everything. There's pictures of where they had water and pizza there on tables. Uh, also, you've got the story of Gene Rosen, the uh, the kindly old gentleman that uh, said that uh, four kids, five kids, oh, wait, I think it was six kids. He never could get the numbers straight, that were dropped off on his curb in front of his house, about three houses down from the firehouse, where a bus driver bypassed the firehouse where if you're going to stage, you know, let the kids be there so that her parents could pick them up. He dropped them off on their front porch, didn't tell him why he was doing it, but yet there's footage of him on CNN rehearsing his lines. But he claimed he didn't know what was happening at school and that these kids just magically showed up and he let them in his house and gave them punch and and uh, cookies and he had some stuffed toys. So how did the parents even know those kids were there? Where are the other 500 kids that were actually, that were supposedly there? Now, due to the Freedom of Information Act, we got dash cam video. doesn't have a date on it, but it shows this Connecticut State Trooper around uh, 10 o'clock laying out a snack of Gatorade, cold cuts, and bread. There's no children going by. You know, there should have been, if, if this was really a mass casualty event with an evacuation, there would be 500 kids just scattered all over the place. Now, what we do have are the pictures of the kids. We have we have ten kids. They all have their eyes closed and they have their hands on each other's shoulder in front. And then we have a second picture of the same kids, but the one that was in front is now in the back. Why would you need to rearrange if it's an evacuation scene? Uh, also, the the uh, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act that was passed in 2010, where you had to have the parking spots. With the, with the blue and then the white wheelchair, and then you had to have a sign 60, 60 inches high above it. Well, if you look at their parking lot, it's, pre, it's 2008, 2009, just the, white, just the white wheelchair. There's no sign or anything like that. And also, the parking lot, there are no grease spots because of the snow and stuff. You know, you know with cars, they, they leak oil. But there, the, the, the parking lot was spotless because... Of the weather, if you look at the uh, footage of the school, the roof is about is sagging. It looks like it's about to collapse in on itself. If you look, at, you look around the front of the building, you can see mold coming up. And they also had uh, portable buildings because overflow for kids. Mm-hmm. And those buildings were in terrible repair. They had a stair. They had a big piece of pipe, bare, you know, sharp, you know, d- d- totally unsafe. You know, and it, it, they also show a picture where this school was being used to store old uh, old uh, school furniture, like school desks and stuff like that. I mean, it'd be a fire hazard. I mean, there's just very little walk space. Uh, those pictures are available, too. Uh, also, on Connecticut's, uh, St- Connecticut State Police, their own website shows this opening that uh, Adam Lanz allegedly shot the window and came through. Oh, it's probably maybe two feet by three feet. 
and uh, that's why that's how he got into allegedly got into the school. And 17 state troopers testified that they went through the same opening. The, you know, and these guys are huge. Nobody went through, busted out the rest of the window, went around and opened the door. You know, to let the other guys in, they all went through this little teeny tiny. You know, I'm not buying it. It's it's total BS. And then they declared all the children dead within 15 minutes. Okay, so and they we already determined they already determined Adam Lanza did it. So why mm-hmm. is there so? Oh, and also they they claim that they didn't remove a single child until uh, sat, early Saturday morning about three o'clock. They left twenty some odd dead children in that school for twenty almost 20 hours before they ever removed them in a refrigerated truck. But yet uh, Wayne Carver comes out and said he'd already started performing autopsies. And if you notice how uncomfortable he was during that interview, he was uh, very nervous. And he made one comment that uh, I hope this doesn't fall down around the heads of the people of Newtown. Hmm. And uh, yeah, you could tell he was not a uh, willing participant in this little fraud and he has since passed away. Uh, hmm. I don't think he was ever comfortable with, with what he was being told he had to do. Then you've got uh, Governor Malloy that said that uh, he had been warned that something like this might play out in their state. Well, that's foreshadowing, forewarning. Then we come to find out on November 27th, Eric Holder had gone to meet with Malloy to talk about gun control. I mean, uh, then you've got uh, St. Rosa Lima, which is a school about six miles away from Sandy Hook. You show that CNN shows a SWAT team, and they're trying to portray, portray that school as Sandy Hook, but it wasn't. But they but they they put it on there as if that's what it was. Uh, the MT people were kept a mile and a, uh, um, anywhere from a mile to a half a mile down the road. There were no uh, care flight hospitals. I mean, uh, my little brother, who was critical care RN, says we get people from nursing homes that have that have been thought to be dead for an hour. And we still work on them. We don't give up on them until a coroner actually pronounces them dead. So who pronounced these kids dead within 15 minutes? Yeah. And, and, and where are all the uh, empty <clears throat> shell cases? I actually went to a shooting range, outdoor and an indoor, and used a nine millimeter, the same type of gun that he allegedly used. And it took me a good five minutes just to get off a clip of, of nine. And the recoil is incredible. But if you ain't got earmuffs on, you're, it, you will hurt your ears. But yet this guy that, uh, that weighed 119 pounds soaking wet fires off 157 shots in 15 minutes. You know, the shell casing, when you're shooting, the shell casings pop out. I, I got hit in the face numerous times. Oh, yeah. The webbing, the webbing in between your fingers get caught from the recoil. But yet, this we're to believe that this guy, this guy did this. It, it, none of it makes any sense. And then you got the participants, the parents. No tears. You got uh, they they get in front of a TV as quickly as they can, and they announce that there's donation pages being set up. And there were some pages that were set up that day. After a tragedy like this, who has the mindset? Well, you know, we, these people are going to need money. The thing is, when your child goes into a public school and anything happens to them, the state and the school district is responsible for any financial loss that the parents may have. 
but yet they're sitting at donation pages. One of the parents, uh, they won the state lottery, the Connecticut state lottery, twice. What? Yeah, it, it was a payoff, and, and the person that was running the lottery got fired. But, oh, yeah, all kinds of money has been, has been rolling in. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I lost my son in February, okay? And uh, I couldn't – I cried. I still cried, but, I mean, for, the, for about a month, all, I mean, I, I looked like I had I, – I looked like I was grieving to death. I, I couldn't eat. I, I, I was haggard looking. The last thing that was on my mind was money. I just lost my child. These people are laughing. They, uh, one of the Wheelers, the, the Wheeler family, they, they, their son Ben Wheeler allegedly died there. They get a, a trip on Air Force One to D.C. to do a press conference, live interview on ABC TV with the president. And it's all about gun control. And that's one of the ways you can tell about these false flags is that before the bodies are ever even alleged bodies are even removed, the narrative turns to gun control. It's the same M.O. every single time. And there was one lady that was at the uh, she was at Sandy Hook interviewed. She was at uh, uh, the Aurora shooting. And mm-hmm. she was at the Pulse night. The same lady. She tried to change up her hair, but you could tell it. Obviously, it was her. Same people at the same events, like David Hogg. You know, he, he was in California for an event, and then he was in Parkland. And they used the same people over and over, try to disguise them, but you can tell it's, it, it's them. And anybody that, that wants to bring any of this out is demonized and marginalized, and they're censored, and they're threatened, they're doxxed. Uh, look at James Tracy. I think we talked about that a, a few years ago, that just for simply asking about it, that he lost his job, they, uh, he lost his book deal. James Fetzer is another incredible researcher. They have censored him. Now, when you've got far-reaching implications due to an event like this, shouldn't we make sure that everything, all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed before we start running around and putting in draconian legislation? Yeah, I mean, and it's Absolutely. the thing, you know, it, it, just, it just keeps going on and on. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all of these, all of these things are censoring. They're shadow banning. You can write a comment and you think it's there, but nobody sees it. So if nobody sees it, you might as well not have written it at all. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're wanting once – they want to set the narrative, and that's the only narrative that's going to be heard. So – Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Sorry, my I mean, mouth is real dry. I think this whole thing really circles around the the same sort of of premise that you can't question the narrative. You can't, you can't question authority. You can't question reality. You can't uh, question the the approved narrative. I should say, sanitized for our protection. This is the narrative we're supposed to buy into. Whether it's Pearl Harbor, uh, Gulf of Tonkin. 9-11, JFK, here's the sanitized for your protection narrative. As long as you just buy into this, you're good. You start uh, deviating a little bit or just asking questions, that they can't have that. I mean, I've said this so many times on the show, but I used to see bumper stickers that say question authority. I don't see those anymore because nobody's questioning authority. Nobody's questioning the narrative at all. I mean, they could tell you. Uh, yeah, to old Limerick from childhood, they could say that the cow jumped over the moon. Just look, there it is. 
And I, I swear, nine out of ten people go out there and look for the cow. And they say, look, there it is, John. There's the cow right there. You, you don't see the cow? And I'm going, no. <laughs> Something stinks in Denmark. You know, that, another old stupid saying. But when you look at so many of these events, it's just prima facie. Whether it's it's a, a complete uh, false flag psychological operation or whether there's some sort of government involvement, like I think was – uh. The Las Vegas shooting, like I think definitely Uvalde, like uh, definitely Columbine. I mean, I don't know if these were straight up just full on BS lies or whether or not it was some obvious government involvement. But either way, you can't even question that. You can't even come out and say, hey, what do you think about this? This could be not as they say. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Can't say well, there it. Are cameras, there are cameras everywhere in a casino, and especially as one as big as the Mandalay Bay. And, uh, you know, the every table is watched, there's cameras everywhere, but yet they miss this guy, Paddock, bringing in 47, you know, rifles and, and tons of ammo. And none of that makes any sense either. And plus, there are other people saying, yeah, there were, there were shots coming from here, there were shots coming from there. And uh, basically, uh, we, we got a picture of, of what we thought was Paddock. His face is totally destroyed. It's like they, they purposely destroyed his face to... Uh, you know, to, to, to keep anybody from questioning. Uh, what I find extremely disturbing as we go back to Sandy Hook is that, you know, Ben Wheeler and them, he, he, he played a role in it two days afterwards. There's still people milling around this school after this event. Not, and uh, so because they're getting as much mileage out as they can off of the TV. But he plays this role called the sloppy sniper. And it's obvious that it's him. It's it's his build. He's he's got this ill-fitting helmet that he keeps trying to smash on his head. He's got his wife's sunglasses on. Here's the kicker. He's carrying his AK-47 by the magazine, and every time the cameras pan over to where he's at, he tries to duck out of the way. And it, it was so hilarious. So we gave him the nickname, the Sloppy Sniper. And uh, they are DNC operatives. His wife was fundraising for Hillary Clinton. So, I mean, pretty much everybody that was involved had some type of ties to the DNC. I did a background search on them. So they, they're definitely Democrats. They, uh, a lot of them work in New York, and they take the short, com, you know, short commute to Newtown. And I think it was like 18 or 19 of these parents had their houses paid off on Christmas Eve of 2010. I mean, that's kind of a coincidence, isn't it? You know, and uh, there are uh, cash shade dates where they uh, there were already articles written about Sandy Hook before it allegedly before it happened. One was on the 11th, one was on the 12th, and there are people that will testify in Newtown that worked at the hotel said that news people started coming in on Tuesday, which was Friday before the uh, the event. And then of course you got Anderson Cooper who. It's in front of a blue screen, but trying to make it look like he's actually in Newtown. And when he turns, his nose disappears. <laughs> you know, they use CG, they use CGI, and they use blue screens to uh, to make it look like uh, they're really there on the scene. One of the funniest uh, false uh, news reports I ever saw was it was when Russia was uh, in, in the. Uh, the Black Sea, we were having a kind of a skirmish. Russia was defending their territory. And there's this guy on this boat. He's in really rock, rocky water. I mean, waves, white caps and everything. Hair, not one hair out of place. 
he, he, he never loses his balance. There is no uh, – the microphone he's using, as the wind, you don't hear anything. He's in front of a – he looks like the Tidy Bowl man. Remember the old Tidy Bowl commercial? Yeah, of course. Got the little guy – this little dingy in the commode, and uh, but he's superimposed in it. That's what this guy was, and I've seen it many a time. So, I mean, anything you watch on TV, and when it comes to the news, you, I, I won't trust it. I don't even watch it. I, I don't trust it. Cause and I there's know, so much dramatization. I, that's that famous, uh, no, I don't know, I can't remember the hurricane. A couple of hurricanes back, there's that famous footage that was a meme all over the place where it was a news reporter. Oh, he could barely stand up. The wind was just howling it was tremendous and then it shows the two people walking behind him just like uh, how you doing uh, what's this guy doing over here yeah that was here in wilmington that was where that's where i'm at in north yeah, carolina that was feet. actual live footage right there you know a couple miles down the road and it's just it's ubiquitous you can't trust or you shouldn't anything no, that the mainstream media is telling you and i will go even further and say a lot of the alternative media because i don't know who's who anymore but Anybody who's looking at social media lately has seen, I don't know, hundreds, if not tens of people popping up that's, hey, here's another guy with a flag behind him. Here's another guy with a 70, 70 you know, it's the same sort of mess. I'm, I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm not saying they're all good. I'm saying it's a, it's a flooded market. <laughs> it is. You know, we know from the church committee hearings that, uh, you know, under operate, they, they discussed Operation Mockingbird and they discussed uh, uh, the MK Ultra deal. Those were two things at the church committee because the CIA was really, uh, they were really misbehaving, so to speak. And uh, they said, do you have any people that are working within the media? And uh, the, the CIA director said, this is something I would like to get to in executive session, as in, well, I want to tell you, but I don't want to tell the people. You know, yeah. it's something we want to get to in executive session. And the only reason why MK Ultra was even exposed was because... Somebody left a couple of cases of paperwork showing what the experiments they were doing, or they would have been totally denied in deniability. And MK Ultra still goes on. They still got voice to skull. I believe that some of these shoot, shootings that are real, these people are are hit with direct energy weapons. You know, voice to skull. You know, voice to skull. You know, the voice of God. And uh, I believe it. They can drive people nuts. And William Cooper, who wrote the book The Hold the Pale Horse, and he's the one who. Uh, put in uh, the uh, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars document that we're going to discuss later. He said that he saw a document that said by the time the 90s started that there would be a rash of school shootings and the reason they would all be orchestrated and the reason would be for gun control. And here we are. Everything that, that William Cooper said in, in Behold Bell Horse is happening right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's going to continue. It's going to continue. They're going to wear the people down to where, yes, by all means, here's what, here's my guns. Here's my, here's how much ammo I have. Oh, I got to pay for every time I want to buy new ammo. I got to give you the empty shell and uh, pay a $5 tax on. I mean, this is coming. You know, they, they hate, they hate, uh, they want unarmed services, what they want. And uh, they're going to wear, they're going to eventually wear the people down to where they will eventually agree. Right now, there's still too many people that are like, oh, I see where this is going. If you want my gun, you can get the ammo first. Mm-hmm. And that's the attitude people need to have. But uh, I mean, before we leave this, i got to touch on something else you said because it's so important that they replay these images 
I mean, it, it's whatever image you want to talk about. We're talking about Oklahoma City, 9-11, Waco, so forth and so on. There's so much media inundation, and there's just the replay of these images over and over again. I remember when 9-11, I mean, I sat there for like 72 hours minimum with the TV on, you know, while I was sleeping. I'd wake up to it. I'd get up and go to bed to it. And just sort of this, what's the pulse of 9-11 now? I mean, it's breaking news. Here's the, the towers again and again and again. And... Yeah. It's always the same blueprint. They give you the story as it breaks, as it's breaking, ships sinking. We know why. We know who did it. Here's the whole narrative. Drink this. And then they just keep replaying these images, but it's the psychological effect that most people are missing on this. And then there's always a patsy, whether it's Lee Harvey, whether it's uh, Hinckley. I mean, fill in your patsy. There's always, here's the guy. We found him right here. He had his passports and everything. Look, here's the gun. It's smoking still and the bullets and powders on his hands. Hold on yards. So they always give you this in little bite-sized bits. Here's the narrative. Here's the event we're going to play over and over again. So your brain gets that psychological imagery over and over again. And then here's the patsy. And th- this is the narrative you're supposed to believe no matter what. But, I mean, that, that psychological um, manifestation is so key. And it's so key for the trauma-based mind control, uh, the shock doctrine. I mean, however, you know, you want to look at these different books. I think Neil McLean was the shock doctrine and also had a documentary. But it, it all connects because people just see this and they don't take it at face value. But their subconscious is processing this and they're saying, oh, scary, bad. You know, just as we may have seen a saber-toothed tiger a couple centuries back or um, thousands back. But nevertheless, you know, we see that imagery and we associate a uh, certain death with saber-toothed tiger. Now we associate certain death with uh, blowing up buildings, gunfire, and we're all just sort of like on edge. You know, we got that dopamine drip. We got that adrenaline going like, oh, wh- when's the next shoe going to drop? Where's the where's the shooter? Is that guy? Oh, he's got a turban on. He must be the shooter. Oh, he's he's a loner white guy with a gun. He's got to be bad. You know, like I'm throwing a lot at the wall here, but, but I know you you're picking up what I'm putting down. Of course, and uh, take the image from Oklahoma City where it's showing the fireman holding the bo- the body of a baby. I mean, that was all over the news. It was all over the newspapers, all over the magazines. And you know, the, here's the thing: is that if uh, if it if there was enough ammonium nitrate used to b- bring that building down like it was, it, it would have been two hours before people would be in hazmat suits because the um, the ammonia would have scalded the lungs. There were people there within five minutes trying to pull people out. It was it was explosions within the buildings, uh, columns two and columns four, and they also found three other bombs that they uh, they that FEMA found that took out to a field and exploded. So it was it wasn't a it wasn't an info bomb, but they used the imagery of that that fireman holding that child and uh, really uh, pounding home to a message to us that there are domestic terrorists. Mm-hmm. That are willing to kill little babies. So if you're a right wing and you're you've got to be an extremist and you're anti-government, I'm not anti-government in so much as I'm anti-tyranny. Uh, I mean, we we all need a, a set in order for society to function correctly. We need a set of you know of, of behaviors. You know, have a moral background. That's what common law is all about. Uh, but. Uh, we it, they're trying to paint one side as this, you know, horrifically bad, and uh, we got to look out for them. And uh, they're trying to bring down America, and they want to kill our democracy. Well, democracy's mentioned nowhere in the Constitution, in case 
anybody wondered. You know, people are so brain dead. And if the media told them that the mood, this just in, the moon is made of blue cheese, there would be Democrats and dumb people that look up at it and say, man, I'd like to have a piece cut really thin and put it on a Ritz cracker. Must be really, you know. Uh, Charlotte Isserby wrote a really good book called The Intentional Dumbing Down of America. And uh, it falls right in line with, with the findings of the Norman Dodd Committee where these tax-free foundations using uh, the Tavistock Institute, Council on Foreign Relations, the Brookings Institute, to come up with a curriculum of indoctrination and how to sway the masses. And uh, this is, it's, it's a science. They know how our brains work. They know the trigger points. And uh, they, uh, uh, Norman Dodd had an assistant go in there. They, they actually let them read the white papers. She let they let her read the white papers. When she came out, she was she was never the same. They said they want to merge us into a totalitarian communist style one world government. And it, it she basically she ended up in a mental institute. Norman, I, if you can go to hmm. YouTube, pull up Norman Dodd, he'll tell you the whole the whole thing. But uh, that's why education stinks. That's why it, why it stunk for a long time. It ain't going to get any better. <laughs> I mean, uh, we should be learning. Reading, writing, arithmetic, not social justice, social studies, and, uh, you know, their version of history changes from book to book, from year to year, and uh, USA Inc. is always the good guy. You know, if you want to get right down to it, and this may offend some people, but the biggest terrorist nation on the planet is USA Inc. Now, we have invaded 83 countries and done a regime change. We're spreading democracy. We're spreading freedom. No, not really. We're going over there and stealing the resources. You ought to, uh, I don't, I'm sure you've read it. It's, the guy's last name's Perkins, but he's got a book called uh, Confessions of a uh, Economic Hitman hmm. and of how the government sends him in there to uh, get the leader to turn over the resources. If not, they, they do a coup and uh, they, they, like uh, the very first coup that the United States did, or the CIA did, was Guatemala. Said the the the, the uh, big corporations were going over to Guatemala and basically getting their 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 sugar for pennies on the dollar. And when they got a new leader, so well, you guys aren't going to exploit us like this anymore. And all of a sudden, this guy was a communist. He was a threat to uh, the, you know South America. This could spread the domino effect. Communists could spread anywhere. But what the guy want to do? Well. The sugar is the resource of the people, and you guys are coming in and exploiting it and getting rich off of it while we live in squalor. Yep. And that, that was the – then the next one was Iran and because they had a lot of oil. So, I mean, th- th- there's just – the CIA has been involved in so many, so many coups. Uh, and a lot of these countries that uh, the CIA has helped overthrow, they used to be – they they had the Jesuits, the, the the Vatican. The Jesuits would go into any country and take over. Okay, well they would kick them out of the country, and uh, and they the Jesuits got even by using our military to to get even. Like uh, you know Nagasaki and uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki were very Protestant in mm-hmm. Japan. And they had kicked out the Jesuits back in the 1700s. Well, they, they nuked those two. There was a reason why they did that, why they nuked those particular two 
cities because they were they were actually it's not Protestant it's Protestant because uh, people say well I'm a Protestant well you're a Protestant you're protesting the Catholic Church yeah and uh, that's that's what it actually means and that's why uh, people came over to this country to begin with was to get out from underneath uh, papal authority so they could practice religious freedom but it was to get away. For, uh, from the Jesuits and the Catholic Church and having to be under their thumb. Uh, you remember V for Vendetta, that movie V for Vendetta, Guy oh, Fox? Yeah. That was a Jesuit plot. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the Gunpowder mm-hmm. Treason plot? Well, the Queen of England had kicked out the Jesuits and the Catholic Church, so they thought that by blowing up Parliament that uh, the Catholic Church could come back in. False flag. <laughs> oh, false flag, exactly. Yeah. But they caught him. But but he's made out to be a hero, and yeah. he was he was a, he was a, he was a flat out terrorist, and all because the Catholic Church wanted their power, and wanted to, uh, you know, take over England. Now there are three city states in the world. Okay, one of them is the Vatican, one of them is Washington D.C. It's not part of the United States per se. Mm-hmm. It is its own. It's a district of Columbia. It's a district of the Vatican. It's it, part of it's in Vir, is, is in Virginia, part of it's in Maryland, Virgin mm-hmm. Mary. You think that's you think that's a coincidence? And it has an obelisk. And so that Columbia one, connection back to those uh, ancient gods. Then we got London. <laughs> London is the city state, and they have an obelisk from from the base to the very top, six hundred and sixty six feet, six six six. And <laughs> that's an just obelisk, coincidence, Dale. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the phallus of Pindar. That's what that 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 obelisk represents. Ours is called the Washington Monument, but it is a, a Freemasonry symbol. All all three are set up. But if you look at the D.C. District of Columbia flag, there's three stars, one for each city state, and they're all controlled by the mother of all central banks, the Bank of International Settlements. Which brings me to the topic I wanted to talk about was inflation, because it's. I went to the store today and I barely bought anything and I spent almost 150 bucks. I mean, oh yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think we went to the store yesterday. We got like three bags of groceries, like a hundred and some, almost 200 bucks. (laughs) Yeah, well, people try to use these fancy terms for what inflation actually is, but what it is, think of our money supply. And it's a it's a fiat currency. It's not backed by anything of an intrinsic value. Think of it as a big bowl of punch. Okay. Well, it looks like punch at the beginning, and it tastes like punch at the beginning. But when you start watering it down, putting more water in it, it's not quite as – it doesn't have the punch color as much anymore, and it's wa- it's watery. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. When you toss so much money in there, you're watering down the money that's already in existence, chasing too few, too few goods because they keep printing it. And the Fed is more than happy to do it. The Fed doesn't have any money. They don't – they don't have like these huge vaults where they go in with pallets and uh, pull out huge, you know, sums of hundred dollar bills and give it to the government and attach interest to it. it they, they write on an empty checkbook and they print the money that has no intrinsic value and they put it into circulation. And so the more there is of something, the less it's worth. Uh, for example, say I had a uh, hundred Pete Rose cards, okay, the rookie cards signed mm-hmm. by him. And there's only maybe another three or four hundred in existence. Now, uh, my cards are worth a lot to a collector, right? Because there's not that many of them. 
Now, a lot of the sudden, 10,000 Pete Rose cards with this signature are dumped into the system. Now, how much are my cards worth? That's it. It's the, it's the same thing. It's the same principle. And uh, there's no way to pay back the debt. You'll never pay it back because for every Federal Reserve note in existence, there's interest attached to it. If I uh, say there's only $10 in the whole world and I, and I loaned it to you, but you still owe me interest, where are you going to get the interest from? Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. Never That's happened. Right. So uh, the, uh, when people say, well, Clinton had us in a surplus, we've never had a surplus. There's never been any such thing as a surplus. The United States Inc. has been bankrupt since 1933. 1950, they were taken in, uh, they were taken in by the International Monetary Fund. And uh, we were, the United, United States Inc. has remained in a perpetual state of bankruptcy ever since then. So uh, uh, they are taken into receivership. But, you know, they, they have the Bank of International Settlements. They'll probably be the next one that will take us into receivership. And it is, the, uh, it is the mother of all Federal Reserve banks. And they're all interconnected. They're all entered by the same 13 bloodlines. Uh, and they all make tremendous – I mean, while we uh, – the world is $300 trillion in debt, but to who? Think about it. Hmm. So – uh, but as long as they keep uh, dumping money in, it's going to end up like the Weimar Republic. You remember it took a wheelbarrow full of money just to buy a loaf of bread? That's right. you know, we're heading in that direction. I couldn't believe some of the stuff that I used to be able to buy, you know, like a, a can of soup that I like really well. I'd buy it for two fifty. It's 5 bucks today when I bought it. Okay, and, I, and this was at – I hate to shop at Walmart, but I'm right down to the point to where – I gotta I gotta shop as cheaply as I possibly can. Even shopping at Dollar General, you know, yeah. uh, it is. I don't know how people are making it. I really don't. I mean, that's and, a uh, sick thing. Even uh, the Dollar Tree. I mean, we just call it a Dollar Store. I think it's called Dollar Tree. But anyway, now now they're like a a dollar fifty tree or dollar twenty five. It's not even a dollar, it's not even a dollar anymore. And, and they've the started carrying minute? everything else. They're like a Dollar General, but just under a different brand. It's kind of bizarre. And the dollar menu at McDonald's ain't the dollar menu anymore. So, uh, yeah, it, it is. Uh, and I saw this coming. I saw this come. Me and John B. Wills, we talked about this uh, when I did an interview on this show in, in 2017, that if the Democrats ever got in control, that they would purposely crash the economy. And I think you brought it up. What is it? The Clive Piven strategy? Yeah, the Cloward and Piven. That's it. Cloward and Piven. I always... For some reason, there's a mental block. I can't never <laughs> no, remember the cloud part. But, uh, yeah, totally collapse the system, and from the ashes will rise this socialist utopia, and uh, and every, everything will be fair. Yeah, everybody will be equally poor. You know, it's not about – they're not pissed off, pardon my French, <laughs> that some people have it so bad as they are pissed off that they think some people have it too good. Mm-hmm. And by God, Sonny Jesus, they're going to make sure – that they bring, they bring, cut those people down to size. So, uh, and so much of this connects to to what you were saying a moment ago because they know how to play us off against each other. I mean, you mentioned how they've infiltrated ac- academia and they've they've learned how to use these psychological warfare models. Except they're no longer just using them um, in South America, Central America, as they were via. Smedley Butler, who finally was like, hey, I've had enough of this. Why am, what am I, your mercenary down here in Central America? You know, finally wars came out racket. with Wars a Racket. At telling people Wars a, a stinking racket, you know? But but they've they've got us all figured out, and they, 
they know through that binary opposition that our brains automatically go, well, who's the good guy in the story and who's the bad guy? I mean, that's why they program every single narrative the same way. That's why there's never a gray area. It's never like, well, couldn't it have possibly been? No, no, no. Here's the good guy. Like you mentioned with uh, with Oklahoma City bombing, here's the cop or, or the firefighter with the kid. Good guy. Here's the bad guy. Cue, uh, you know, the patsy for Oklahoma City bombing. So they know our brains work that way, and they know that they can program us that way through these shock, uh, various shocking events. And then they know that they can program us that way for the big stuff. Like, oh, oh, well, here's the deal. Now you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to wear this slave shackle. We'll call it a mask. Uh, no, no, no. We're not segregating you, but you can't go in the store. You're good to go though, because you've got the special star. I mean, special pass. You know, like, so they've got all this thing actuaried out uh, to a T. Uh, but I mean, just to, to further connect dots, and then I'll shut up. But to further connect dots, I mean, they've got all these schools funded. The Carnegie Endowment, the, the Brookings Institute, all these things you mentioned before. That's why they know all this stuff so well. All these psychological studies that we can look at, uh, the, the Sigelman, um, Sigel, Sigmund, no, Siegelman learned helplessness. Man, I get that guy's name messed up. But they got that, you know, they've got the, all these psychological studies, they got it all figured out. And I guarantee you, if you look at the funding for all that, You'll you'll trace back to some of those same names, uh, NGOs. Just where'd this funding come from? Oh, the Carnegie Endowment, huh? I wonder who's uh, who's involved with the Carnegie Endowment. Oh man, I don't know uh, the Ford Foundation again. What? I mean, it's the same the same playbooks. Yeah, the CFO they say it's good for Carnegie, Ford, and, and Rockefeller. But uh, Aldolfus Huxley had this really good quote. I'm going to quote it here. Perfect dictatorship would have the appearance of a democracy, which is not with two wolves and a sheep deciding on what have for dinner. But it would be a prison without walls, and not even, and no one would even dream of escaping, because through consumption and entertainment, the slaves would love their servitude. Mm-hmm. So this debt slavery that that we're that we're in, as long as we we are able to go to Walmart and buy uh, the latest laptop or the latest camera microphone. Whatever you know, the latest toy that you want, you know, you really don't give give a lot of thought about it. And this all goes back to uh, uh, Charlotte Isserby and the dumbing, the intentional dumbing down, where our priorities are totally screwed up. Uh, uh, we're basically ruled by psychopaths that uh, they yeah. control the banks, they control the government, they fund both, they fund both sides of every war, and all for profit. And in the media operations, uh, they. Uh, they they ride in lockstep. Uh, it's uh, and it just repeat, rinse, repeat, wash, repeat. I mean, it just, it just and it never it never goes away. By the way, I, I don't know if you heard, but Robert, but Robert David Steele, he passed away. Oh He's man, I didn't hear that former, at all. Former yeah, former CIA, and he uh, he said that both uh, Sandy Hook and. Uh, uh, the Boston bombing were all flat, were false flags. He said, "I've been involved in, an, in enough of them to know what, what one is." And there's another former CIA agent that also said that it was as well that all the signs were there. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we've. I, I didn't mean to beat a dead horse, but what's going on? Sandy Hook's still in the news, and they're still pounding on people, and they're still uh, censoring people that have anything to say about it. 
and uh, it's in the news every day on Yahoo News. They won't let it go, and so I felt like I needed to say, well, here's a counterpoint, and I can prove it. So I'd like for them to come after me. I would love to go on the stand and say, well, show me this. This is what I have found. Why would they, why would they make everybody that helped bulldoze the school sign a, a non-disclosure agreement? Hmm. You know, uh, they never, there had to have been, if this had been, it really happened. They, uh, Wolfgang Halbig tried to find out who did the bio cleanup afterwards. No, nothing. I mean, they would not answer even the most simplest questions, and uh, they stonewalled it every turn. And uh, but yet, these uh, Alex Jones and, and Wolfgang Halbig are being brutally and mercilessly uh, persecuted for trying to stand up and get the truth out. Because this is a big deal. It's a big event. These false flags, these false events, is a big deal to us, and it's moving us in a direction. That's that total of total totalitarianism that is going to make us afraid that, you know, we're going to we're going to duck. We, we're going to we're going to be like the, the sheep in the pen waiting for the wolf. And as long as you don't make eye contact with the wolf, you think you're OK. But eventually the herd gets thinned out. And whether you make eye contact with the wolf or not, you're going to get aid. And uh, people just think that they, they stay quiet, they enter the radar that everything will be okay. It is, it's not. Uh, there was a, a, a quote by William Casey that said, we'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything that people believe is a lie. And uh, his secretary vouched that. She, I, I heard her in her own words, yes, I did write that down in my notes. And she said I was horrified when, I, when he said that. This is, this is when Reagan was president too, which re really shocked me. Uh, but, uh, Robert, Robert David Steele was also very concerned about agenda 21 and the green new deal and how they all interact together. And it all goes back to the iron mountain report in 1967, where, uh, these, these, they had a think tank that JFK wanted, uh, these, these top men, iron Mount was like a, uh, a, a, a bunker that was built. And these guys sit down and decide how, how would society function without the threat of war? And they said it could be uh, the threat of an alien invasion could bring the people together. And, uh, but the ones they really were interested in said had the most potential was environmental. That if there was an environmental catastrophe, that they could get the people to acquiesce and change their behaviors. And... It's right around that time that the Club of Rome was formed. It's just a think tank group of very uh, of elite individuals that believe that the consumption of the middle class is not sustainable. And I don't want to get you sidetracked. I just got to throw this point out there because I don't want to forget about it. So you just mentioned this uh, Iron Mount report, JFK, and the threat of an alien invasion, and how are the how is the populace, aka how is the government, still going to run? Under, under a nuclear attack or under extreme war. And I just got to draw this parallel because it hit me like this. If you look at Reagan, especially that first term, he mentioned something chillingly similar because he mentioned something along the lines of of uh, the, the humans would come together uh, under a, a possible alien invasion. He started uh, the Star Wars program. He definitely was shot at just, mm -hmm. just like – 
JFK, and he he was rolling in Rex eighty four, the continuity of government plan. Yeah, the COG plan. That, yeah, uh, all of. I won't interrupt. I just want to throw that out there and draw I, these parallels a, for people. No, John, that's a great that's a great point. But uh, uh, when the Club of Rome was formed, uh, they started uh, saying that it, it was their job to kill the middle class, and slowly, slowly and surely, they've been doing just that. Uh, Maurice Strong, there's some interviews. You ought to, for everybody that's listening, uh, go look at Maurice Strong and some of the interviews he did. And he said that it was their job to uh, to, to kill middle class jobs, and uh, and then the only way to save the environment was to do so. People don't understand. Oil is not a fossil fuel. Okay, it's an abiotic fluid. The Earth's crust produces it. It is a mineral. Uh, but in, in 1898, at, at the Geneva Convention, the Rockefellers convinced them that it was a finite resource. Therefore, they could create artificial scarcities because there was so much oil. And there still is. There are uh, The Russians have drilled three miles deep and struck oil. Are you going to tell me that there are dead dinosaurs and dead you know, fossils three miles underneath the Earth's crust? Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a natural – they're finding that some of the old oil wells – that have been tapped out are starting to fill again. They may not, they're not going to fill all the way, of course, but they are filling. And then if they are filling, then that tells you it's not a finite resource and it's not a fossil fuel. But yet the technology to use air, do you know we only use 20% of all the gas that we put in our car? The other 80% is emitted. Hmm. Now there are, there are inventors that have been able to use every bit, get 100, 150 miles to the gallon by recirculating what is emitted and circulating it back into the engine. But those people, they either die or they get their patents bought up. There are over 3,000 patents that could help mankind that is being under the threat of national security are never released. Hmm. And I'm sure some, one of them is, is zero-point energy because we're surrounded by energy. Uh, Nikolai Tesla was the greatest genius of all time. And he had, he had found a way to harness energy and self-generating, self-generating energy. And, and his documents disappeared too. <laughs> oh, as soon as he was dead, I mean, they went in there and they raided everything. There is nothing left of Nikolai Tesla that the, uh, that the deep state doesn't have. And to and, connect uh, to what you were saying earlier up? about that Aldous Huxley quote, that I think it's a 1963 Berkeley speech, one of his last ones, and I think he mentioned this in the book as well. He said, yeah, the goal is to get people to love their servitude, to get them to self-regulate, basically. Love it. Don't even realize you're in a cage. And so much of what we've seen, just connecting dots with Iron Mountain Report, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and so forth, it's all about self, self-regulation. It's It's about guilting people into it. Oh, you don't want to drive that big SUV. You're killing the environment. Hey, you better just take this vaccine for the greater good. What are you, selfish? You want to kill grandma? Put on that slave shackle. I mean that mask. So they've gotten people to self-regulate. They don't even know they're slaves. They don't even know what free speech is anymore. Because, I they mean... Never paid, they've never been paid in real money either. It's paid yeah, they, they don't even know what real money is. I mean, look what they're they're blackballing um, Kanye West now, six ways from Sunday. People don't even realize... Everything he's getting persecuted for, everything Trump got persecuted for, everything Alex Jones got persecuted for. We could keep going down the list of the people they took off with the the social media purge about three years ago. But everything that they did 
It's called free speech, folks. It's the first blipping amendment. It's number one. It's the freedom of speech. And and everybody's still just sort of aghast, like, well, we better not say anything. The chilling effect, that self-regulation again. We better not say anything or else, hey, wait a minute. We better not. We're in the boxcar. We're going down the track. We're we're approaching the uh, the camp, and everybody's still not seeing the forest for the trees. Exactly. You 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 wonder how could six million Jews allow themselves to be, you know, railroaded into uh, concentration camps and gas? And here I am watching it happen right here in front of me. Yeah. You know, uh, it's uh, extremely disturbing because it just seems to get a little bit worse every day. The uh, the 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 left side is they're all for free speech as long as it's speech that they want heard. I mean, uh, the, the the sedition, the res, the insurrection of January 6th where people were actually practicing their freedom of speech. Nobody was killed. The, that cop had a heart attack. He wasn't shot or killed or anything. But uh, what what was going on under uh, when uh, when Floyd died? And you know, they occupied part of Seattle. They were they were burning down parts of cities. You know. Where where was the outcry? In, in the, it, I mean, isn't that insurrection as well? And then you look at the uh, you know, what happened uh, on January sixth. There were more people with cameras than there were actually people that were actually going in there, yeah. and they weren't armed. But yet, the, the, and then they're trying to blame Trump for it. I mean, that election was stolen. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The guy, the guy ran for president three times before, never even made it to the Iowa caucus. Mm-hmm. You know, and the guy, the guy stayed in a bunker for the entire because of COVID. He sta- of I mean, he stayed hidden. He couldn't draw flies for an audience <laughs> when he in his infrequent appearances. Nobody showed up at Trump. It was standing room only, and yet we're to believe he got. 21 million more votes than the magic uh, Obama did. You know, people fainting and stuff. And he got 21 more million votes than Obama did. <laughs> like I said. It's uh, hysterical. It, it, defi- it, it does. It defies the imagination. Uh, well, the last topic I would like to talk about is uh, there's a document out there, and uh, it, it definitely has all the the letters and stuff of a CIA document. It's called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a document that uh, was written at the Bilderberg Group where there was a declaration of war that was uh, put against the American people. And uh, by using technology, they could they could cause the American people to submit. Some of the things they talk about in this, ni- this document was written in 1952, but it was found in an old copier machine. Hmm. And the date on it was 1979, but he found it in 86 in an IBM computer uh, that he had bought at Boeing for surplus parts because he repaired copiers. And uh, whoever the CIA agent was that had it, he made his own notes and stuff. And you can find a copy of this, and it even shows his own notes that he wrote. But the introduction is what's so chilling. You've been chosen for this, this project. Because of your willingness to coldly look at mankind with no conscience, these are these traits are in your best interest. Do not stray from them. But it goes if you read if you read the entire document, you're going to be chilled. And some of the stuff that they wrote in that document in 1952 wasn't possible then. 
but it but it's hap- it's happening. Everything they predicted in that document is happening. Remember that everybody was so paranoid about the UPC codes. Yeah, you know they're going to be able to track us. That's mm-hmm. the exact. They were exactly right. That's what those. They want to know all of exactly. your financial habits, your shopping habits. They want to know everything there is to know about you. They basically create a, a psychological profile on you, and this is what that document is about. And uh, I mean, it talks about how to break up the family and and how to, uh, you know, how Princess, the daughter, will be, you know, her father will spoil her and her son will be expected to go off to war or he'll be ostracized by his bowling buddies. I mean, if you read the document, you can find it. It's, it's, some of it's very technical. It can be a little bit boring, but, man, when you get to the meat of it and what it is that they really want to accomplish, it is chilling. And I do mean chilling. And like I said, none of this stuff was even possible in 1979 when, when the, the, uh, the agent got it. But it, it's, it's in its original form. It's got the, the, the documents on it. There's even a, been a guy that came forward and said he worked on that, worked on that document. It was the CIA document, has, you know, the, the letters and stuff on it. And, that, you know, uh, but if people really want to know, if they really want to find out just how how bad this this cage that we're in is in, they need to read the Iron Mount report. And no matter how, when you get to the boring parts, still read it anyway. Read uh, uh, Agenda 21. Read up about Agenda 21 and read this document, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, because you're going to see that all of this stuff that seemed impossible in 1952 is now being done today and even talking about weather manipulation you know the uh geoengineering they they they've made chemtrail a conspiracy term but what it what their technical term is geoengineering where they spray heavy metal nanoparticulates into the upper atmosphere heat it with an ionospheric heater and they're able to manipulate the jet stream which is just a 300 mile river of water but they can cause droughts they can uh, they can get rid of her. Do you know there's a Category 3 hurricane out in the bay in New York City on the day 9-11? And it just, hmm. the hurricane just disappeared. My my deal is that that was the backup plan. If something happened and 9-11 didn't go as planned, they would flood downtown Manhattan because, you know, it, the, there's levees in Manhattan. That's why the buildings had to come straight down. Because yeah. if they'd have fallen over so that they'd broken the levees, Manhattan is under eight feet of water. So, I mean, they, they had it all planned meticulously, and they had a backup plan. They had a hurricane. Her, category 3, look it up. But then after 9-11, that hurricane's gone because they can kill it. You know, heat up, they can cool the water, heat up the water. Hurricanes need warm water. Uh, same thing. Funny how we always get these droughts and tornadoes right in the middle of planting season and harvesting season, right in the heart of the, uh, of the, of the bread belt, you know, uh, we're we're headed for for some type of food shortage. I mean, food is already is already high enough. It is because of the inflation. But now you throw shortages of food on top of how high the prices are. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be hurting, and I I really hate to see that. Kind of makes me wish I was that I hope that I am dying. You know, they say I got two more months to live, and it's like you know I guess it probably wouldn't be the worst thing that that could happen to me. You know, but. I'm keeping my faith in God. Uh, yeah, we'd I rather all have you stick around. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I die, a lot of knowledge is going to die with me. So I'm going to try to 
expand as much as possible. But of course, you're my backup. I mean, you know every bit as much as I do. That's why we got to so. keep doing these. We keep doing these regularly. I don't know if we got some time. What we got? We got an hour so far. I got a little bit yeah. more to throw out there with you because I you mentioned this oh, yeah. education thing, and I got to hit this one up too because I think piggybacking on what you just said, the education is the key, and we can't let this knowledge die with you, me, or or the listeners out there. But it's so integral. And another caveat I was going to throw out there is Project Camelot. I was going to do this yeah. in one of my solo shows, but you're here and I'm here, so let's talk about it. Project Camelot, I'll read a little bit for you. Um, begun by the U.S. Army in 1964, this was at American University. Project was executed by Special Operations Research Office. Acronym is S-O-R-O, SORO, I guess. Anyway, yeah, this connects into everything we've been talking about because this was funding at the university level. And specifically, I know it was looking at psychology, sociology, let me see, anthropology and political science. Oh, I think they say economics. I'm sorry. Economics. But yeah, the whole impetus of this, and this is 64, so this is kind of right when Vietnam is at least making the mainstream debut. We realize they were already in there, just like the Ukraine, for several years before the people actually caught on. Hey, we're in, we're in Vietnam? Even, even under Eisenhower? Yes. Even under the beginning of Kennedy? Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Project Camelot was, again, federally funded at various institutes, looking at sociology, anthropology, psychologists, and economists, economists. And it was funding basically how can we better take over these various parts of the world through uh, winning hearts and minds. And I mentioned this with uh, Celia Farber today because that's kind of the usual trope that people throw out there. It's winning hearts and minds. But usually before you win those hearts and minds, you also have to break those hearts and minds from whatever they were conditioned to accept and believe before. So, yeah, these different folks funded through different universities were researching how we can better take over, how we can better do what Smedley Butler was telling us not to do. And basically it kind of got into the mainstream and a lot of these different institutions or I suppose specifically anthropology. I know more about that one than the rest, but it all kind of came into the mainstream preview and they were like, hey, maybe it's not ethical for us to figure out how we can better take over and kill the Vietnamese. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and, and, and take their resources <laughs> and as take well. their resources. Yeah. Then we can yeah, ship I mean, the narcotics in, spread real, it all we're over. We're real good at that. Yeah. We're real good at stealing other people's resources, and we have for quite a while. And uh, uh, like I said, if you read that book, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, it's pretty chilling. So, yeah. Uh, but people need to know that this is old hat. Like this isn't something they just came up with in the last decade. And they, I think they've been running ops in other countries just to kind of perf perfect – their methods, and now they're going to turn those same ops not outward but within. So we've taken over, we've we've subjugated, and we've spread democracy all over the world. Now we can turn those same forces within and subjugate, divide, spread democracy, and take over here just as any uh, regime would do in a, a third world country. And the Spanish-American War was about getting the sugar out of Cuba, the, what they called it the white gold. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, uh, they, 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 uh, the ship that blew up, remember the main, mm -hmm. that they, that was, per that ship was perfectly blown up. And then, uh, then it was blamed on, 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 
on Spain, and they wanted no war with the United States. They didn't have the uh, they didn't have the the ships, you know, to to take on the United States in a in a naval war. And uh, but they drove them out, and and the uh, Rockefellers and them they got the white gold from Cuba. And uh, I mean, these people are just they're just they're parasites. They're thieves. They they uh, they steal they steal from the poor and enrich themselves and because they make so much money they get they have even more they build their empire and uh so it just they become stronger and stronger while we become weaker and weaker and it is that's the reason why the why this this world is in the shape it's in like i said we owe three trillion three hundred trillion dollars but to whom you know people should think about it all right, folks, my apologies. We lost Dale. I think his computer is conked out over there or some sort of technical difficulties. But fear not, I'm here with you for at least the next few moments. I just want to underscore that. You can find Dale at Meet at the Shade Tree. It's a Facebook group. That's why I was following him after I first heard him on Caravan to Midnight some years back. So you can find all things Dale. He's one of the admins there, and you can at least follow up on what he's doing there. Also recommend anomicase.com. You can find all things me as well as the previous two episodes that Dale was on. And you're going to find this one here in just a couple hours as well. As I always say, you can't do everything, but you can do something. So please try to get out there and do your part and make that difference. I'll be seeing you sooner than later in the Anomicage. Thank you for listening to The Anomic Age, a John Age project. For past shows, further info, and to comment, go to anomicage.com. That's A-N-O-M-I-C-A-G-E dot com. Till next time, thank you for listening to The Anomic Age. Thank <laughs> you.